It is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I said that um, to some kids this morning. I had a, well, there was actually quite a few of them sat in front of me and said, Happy Mother's Day. They went, Happy Mother's Day back. And I said, well, I'm not actually a mum. And they went, oh, are you a dad? (laughs) No, but they hadn't quite picked up that they weren't mums either, but they just responded with Happy Mother's Day. But it was nice that they actually responded back to me. Um, But, you know, Happy Mother's Day. No, okay, don't worry. Don't, you didn't get it. Okay. Today is a, is a special day, a day that we get to, to celebrate our mums. It can be a hard day for so many people, um, whether you don't have a mum anymore, whether she's, she's not with us here on this earth or, or she lives in another place or, or you never knew your mum. There's so many different situations that I don't even can begin to understand but it is still an awesome day to celebrate everything that is our mums, to everything they stand for, for everything that they have been or the, the shaping of the person that they've had an investment in our lives, whether we've known them or not. And because I've got the microphone, I get to do a shout out to my mum. Because <laughs> she's not here today, she's um, back up in Nelson and I didn't get to see her today. But the first thing I did this morning was go, oh, I should ring my mum. And uh, then I thought, no, mum won't be up yet. Uh, so I thought, I'll, I'll just leave, ring her this afternoon. But I get to church and there's a message on my phone from my mum. Hi, love you. Have a good day. Message you back. Excuse me, you're not supposed to message me. I'm supposed to message you on Mother's Day. And I think she was subtly going, don't forget me. You f- didn't ring me this morning. So when I called her this afternoon, I said, what were you doing? She's oh, just, just checking in on you. I'm like, yeah, right. But mums are awesome, and I, I love mums, um, all mums. But that has nothing really to what I'm talking about tonight. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about stories. We started off with my story, not my personal story, but a, a whole bunch of testimonies that point to the work that God's been doing in our lives, some from, from when they were firstborn and the, and the journey that, and the legacy that they've, they've lived throughout their lives and others that they've started on a journey with Jesus in the last recent years. Then we moved on to his story. Heading up to Easter, we learned about or heard again and explored the story of Jesus and what his story means for us, how he came and lived a perfect life and then died on a cross, rising again three days later so that we could have a relationship with him. And then last week, Jono kicked us off with a our story. So what is my story and his story together equals our story? And he began talking about the bigness of lives that we live, the bigness of our church and what it has been over the years and the the culture and the, the people it's influenced and its place in this community, in this city, and in the nations, really. The bigness of people to always make room for others. The bigness of sacrifice, the bigness of allowing God to come in and and mess with what we want and what we're doing, but going, no, whatever you want to do in my life, you are a big God, you come and do it. And so to live the bigness in our lives, and sorry, living the big life echoes the promise in which this church was planted on. 
And John, I shared that last week. In John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That was the big promise when our church came and was planted. So to continue to grow and walk into all the bigness that God has for us and to live lives that are big, we've been called and we must live in unity. We can't just do it out of a, ourselves, out of what we want to do. Firstly, it must be connected to God, but also to each other. Now, unity is this great word that everyone gets annoyed at each other because we all disagree on things. We're like, well, we can't be truly united because I think differently to that person, or I don't agree with what that person has to say, or that opinion is different to mine, so we can't be unified. Well, unified doesn't mean that we agree on everything. doesn't mean that we agree on every little detail. doesn't mean that all of our preferences are the same. In fact, often they're really not. But unity is, is a deep connection at a heart level. It's this understanding that the main thing is the main thing. We're unified around an idea and a concept and a person whose name is Jesus And who he is helps define us, helps set a culture, helps us shape our lives and live lives big enough to make room for others. Jesus came. This is is how we are unified. Jesus came and lived life on earth. He died on a cross so that we could come into a right relationship with Jesus into a life that's being transformed and redeemed into the likeness of Jesus day by day, that we could live every day with an eternal hope. Through all the sad things that happen, through all the excitement that happens, through everything we love about life and everything we don't, we're unified around this idea that Jesus loves us, each person. So our preferences, do they, do they actually matter? Well, not when we're keeping the main thing. The main thing, like we're allowed to have ideas about the small stuff. We're allowed to disagree about whether we like things a certain way or not. I work with um, a few kids during the week, and they all have different opinions about how I look. True story. Occasionally, some of you will know, I I shave off my beard and lose about 10 years when I do it. Some of the kids love it. They're like, you should just shave it off. And they tell me on a nearly daily basis, you should shave it off again. Other ones, so against the idea, they tell me also daily, don't you ever do that again. There are some leaders also that I work with that think the same thing. Other ones came up to me, had one come up to me the other day, and they said, oh, you should just shave off your moustache and leave the rest of it. And I'm like, oh, no, let's not do that. But that was her opinion. And another one came off and said the exact opposite and said, well, I think you should shave the rest of it off and just leave the moustache. And so I said, well, actually, I've got a photo. Do you want to see it? I don't have it on the screen. That would have been funny, though. <laughs> and I showed her, and she got the giggles and decided it probably wasn't a good idea. But it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. 
And that's something they've come to learn as well, is it doesn't matter how I look. I still love and I still value them. I still understand with them. I still take the time to get down on their level. I still take time to hang out with them. I come and visit them at school or after school program or wherever they are. They know that I can be there regardless of what I look like. Because they all understand that I care about them. They all understand that I'm there for them. And that's translated to their their parents as well. The amount of texts I get from parents asking about this, asking about that, what is going on? Knowing that I'm always accessible to them. Their opinions about what I do or how I look, it doesn't matter. There's a few other people who have, have an opinion about my ripped jeans. I avoided them for a long time because you get cold knees. These ones have patches in them, (laughs) so I don't. But does it actually matter when we're unified around the idea of Jesus? I'd say it doesn't. Because everything we do points to him. And as long as we're prepared to sacrifice and do the things that engages people, as long as we're not putting people off or giving them the wrong idea and sending them on a distracted path, if we're allowing people to see Jesus, what do our preferences matter? Because we understand that Jesus, what he did was for everyone. So unity is the quality or state of not being multiple. It's not all having, oh, I think this is the most important, or this is the most important, or this thing over here, well, we should all do this. But going, the main thing is Jesus. So what are some things that we can actually be fully united in together? Well, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 4, it says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and for for all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. What a thing to be united in, prayer. Talking to God. Something each individual we can do. We can all individually talk to God, but how cool is it that we can also come together and pray at prayer meetings? And I go, are we all unified around this idea of prayer? As we press for unity, we stay united in prayer, continuing to lift others up, interceding on their behalf, praying for them when they won't pray for themselves or believing for them when they might not even believe for themselves. Continuing to encourage one another in prayer. Because of generations of prayer, we can stand here today. As a nation, as a city, as a church, We stand on the shoulders of a prayerful generations before us. I'm grateful for the prayers that have gone before me, for family, for friends who have prayed 
no end. Believing for things that maybe I didn't even believe for myself. I know in my family, my mum continues to pray for me. I know my granddad, my grandpa, they pray for me. I know their parents pray for them and their parents for them. And I'm so grateful that I have this legacy that I can continue to live on in prayer. And you might say here and go, yeah, but I don't have that lineage. I don't have that family who's continually prayed for me. I don't have those friends around me who pray for me. But we have a church who does. And that can be your legacy. I was thinking actually this afternoon about this idea of people who maybe don't have the same story as me and don't have the same encouraging, uplifting family that I do. And I went, I'm honored because I get to carry on a legacy. But if you don't have that legacy to carry on, you get to start it. And I got a bit jealous. <laughs> How cool is that? You get to be the starting point of a prayerful legacy. Knowing that other people within your church family have continued to pray for you, but you can continue that in your family and your friends so that when they come to know who Jesus is and what he's done for them in their lives, you can go, I've been praying for you. And they now have that history, that lineage of going, that person prayed for me, who prayed for them, who prayed. And all of a sudden we have this generational thing happening again. United in prayer. Faithful people pray. Our prayer meetings, I'm so encouraged by the prayer meetings we have here at church. They are powerful times where we come together and lift him up. We believe and pray for every area of church, for every person that's here. But when I go to those prayer meetings, so often I see a prayerful generation before me, which is hugely encouraging, knowing that they are standing there praying but I look and go, where is the next generation? Don't get me wrong, there are some there. I know um, Moana and I were going out into the halls the other night with red frogs, and she goes, can we move the night so that I can be at prayer meeting? That's awesome. But unless our generation picks up on this idea of prayer and prayerful generations being united together, coming not just sitting at home praying, but actually being prepared to sacrifice, come out in a cold weather one night, join together, believe together, will we still be continued, uh, continue to be united in prayer? Sure, I'm united. I think it's a great idea. I pray, but am I prepared to sacrifice to come and join with others. For God says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We need to be the prayerful generations. As we press for unity, we stay united in prayer. But what else do we stay united in? And our contributions. And our contributions through our serving through our giving, through our thankfulness. As in every family, well, it was certainly the case in my family, you pulled your weight. 
We had rosters on nearly every cupboard in the kitchen. You're on dishwasher, you're on rubbish, you're on firewood. Now, we had three fires in our house with three, uh, three wood-burning fires, and you were on it for a whole week, and that was your job. Now, in winter, when there was, you know, this much snow, that was hard work. But you were part of the family, and you pulled your weight. So what does it look like for us to, to live as a family in unity around contribution? See, if I, again, if I look back at the generations that have gone before us within our church, within our nation, within our families, within our friends, we see, us, we see the generations who contributed so that we can stand here today. As a nation, as a city, and as a church, we stand on the shoulders of a sacrificial generation before us. Things they were willing to give up to contribute. We stand in this building. But not just the building, we stand here as a church. If we didn't have this place, we would still be a great church. Because we've had people who are willing to contribute, who are prepared to come early, who are prepared to set up who are prepared to go visit people during the week. But also, with their finance. For God says, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go forth and bear fruit, fruit that will last. See, there are so many different ways we can contribute with our time serving your local church. You can volunteer. You could be a host, a welcomer, help with the kids, the young adults, the youth, the cleaning, whatever it is, serve and contribute to the family. United together, we can make something happen. If there's just one of us on a cleaning roster to clean the vacuuming around here, it would take a very long time. But together we can serve to create an environment and a space that is so welcoming and inclusive for all people. Yes, we might not agree on how we actually do that, but does it actually matter? Because our preferences don't matter because we know that it points to God. It takes away the distraction so that people can meet with him. But are we prepared to sacrifice maybe some of our comforts? I love that, that thought that Rory brought. to continue to invest, to contribute to what my local church, my church here is doing. See, as we unite together in the area of our giving, it releases the vision of this house. It releases the vision of this place. My giving, my, maybe my sacrifice or my contribution releases the God-given vision of life church. To see all people know God, love people, and see lives changed. To see all people know that this is a place where, yes, they belong. So our contribution and our prayers are things we can unite around as a main thing. And as we pray and we hear God speak to us, and as we walk in obedience to what he asks us to do. We say yes to everything that he has for us. We allow him to come into our lives and live big lives, as Jono preached last week, 
as we step out in unity together into all the more that God has for us, individually and corporately as a church. See, this is the message that the church carries to the world and the world needs to hear. God is a God of grace and of love. Let's not get distracted by by arguing over our preferences and opinions. But know that our whole life is to reflect his. Our story reflects my story and his story together in flesh on this earth, in my friend group, at university. When I walk into that school, am I carrying my story and his story, reflecting our story, it's a lot of stories, and pointing people to him, to his love for them. We can be unified around these ideas. And the greatest commandment is this, in Mark twelve thirty, it says, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because in Matthew 28, 18, 20, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Because of what Jesus did when he lived here, because of my response to him and inviting him to become part of my story, our story now reflects a life of unity and bigness as a church, one that will continue to advance the kingdom of God, one that will see many people come to know a relationship with him. Let's stay united in our contribution and let's stay united in prayer. Just for a moment, we're just going to turn and look at the um, screen. Just have a moment to reflect on that verse, John fifteen sixteen, just like we did last week. And a chance again to go, God, what do you want to say to me? A chance to stay united in our prayer and thinking and then be obedient to what he's called us to do. This is this is Life Talk panel, and uh, we're going to talk through some of the stuff. This is a bit awkward. Right, you you sit forward. Yep. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, we're going to talk through some of the stuff that, that Jeremiah talked about, uh, and uh, we've got here to help us. We've got Jesse down the end here, and Belinda, and Jeremiah, and I am Dave. Um, Jeremiah, there were so many sort of key words in there that you used through the message. Um, yeah, we, we started out talking about my story, his story. Our story, we talked about um, bigness, we talked about unity, we talked about family was an important thing that came out there. We talked about contribution, talked about prayer, um, we talked about agreement, you know, all these different things that are coming together. And, and so hopefully we're going to get a chance to dive into some of it more. We'll see how we go. And what I want to start with, I want to go back to early on when you talked about uh, unity versus agreement. But connect that thought with the idea of family at the end, because I would say that a family that has no agreement 
is going to struggle to live in unity. Right. So there must be some key things. You've talked about key things to unite around, but how do we deal with then disagreement and agreement about stuff beyond just two or three key things? Mm-hmm. Or do we just say, no, it doesn't matter, right. or does it matter and therefore we have to deal with it? What's agreement, unity? How do, how do we process some of that? What's important? How do we deal with it? It's a great question, and I think it's big, and I'm unqualified to answer, but within my family, we disagree about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. If I think about my brothers and our relationship, there are many times where we fight and argue and just completely butt heads with everything, but we are still unified around the important idea that is our family. So, yes, there are disagreements, but in some cases we've gone, we disagree on that, Okay, we disagree. We've we've talked about it, we've argued about it, but at the end of the day, we still disagree. So I think not all disagreements have to come to a place of agreement. But then there are things, there are times when those disagreements do need to come into agreement. Right. So so how you get there? Well, if you can't have that conversation healthily. Tight. So I started the devote one day per week, and then two, two, uh, three days per month, and then one week every couple of months. I found that in a complete silence, and then I found that the silence is the secret, is the first step that shows me the treasures. To be in silence is to be fully inside your own self. It's not easy. But there we discover the taste of eternity. The kingdom is within. In the third century, Saint Anthony the Great heard the tough call to sell everything and follow Jesus to the desert. To live in a complete silence Later, 100,000 young people followed him to the desert. He became the founder of all monastic life all over the history. I learned there are secrets in silence. If you have a pen, please write. What I've learned. Silent your body to listen to your words. Silent your tongue to listen to your thoughts. Silent your thoughts to listen to your heart beating. Silent your heart to listen to your spirit. And silent your spirit, you listen to his spirit.
you know, in silence, you leave many and be with the one. My soul thirsts for God. We have a dear friend in Timaru. Her husband passed away age 55 in June last year. She understands verse 9 and 10 of Psalm 42, where it says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is my God? Because as she says to us, this was not my plan for my life. This was not our plan together. We had so many things we wanted to do for God. Her husband was about to come on to our church executive as one of our trust board members. One night, Joe and I were around at her place and just sharing friendship together and having dinner. And she was saying how friends had been encouraging her, saying, listen, you just need to take some sleeping pills because, you see, she wasn't sleeping. She's only able to sleep for three or four hours a night. So I said to her, I said, well, what's wrong with taking sleeping pills? We had a bit of a discussion around that. Then I said, well, why don't you take a sip of wine? Why don't you just, you know, calm, calm yourself with a sip of wine? I said, why don't you just drown your sorrows? Why not? It might help you. Now, remember, we're, we're good friends, so I can say this to my good friend. Then she understood why I was being so annoying and why I was pressing so hard on her wounded heart and purposely causing her more pain. She began to understand and she blurted out and she said in tears, she said, because I trust in God. I wasn't encouraging her to drink, please don't get me wrong. I was wanting to push her to where I knew she was, but she couldn't recognize it at the time. She was so mired in her grief. But as I pushed and pushed and pushed, we got her to the point where she realized why she didn't want to take sleeping pills and why she didn't want to start drinking. I said to her, I said, your pain is like a deep, dark well it goes so deep and it's so dark and it's so painful. The loss is unbearable. I cannot understand it. I can try and put myself into your situation and try and understand what it might be like if, if my precious wife had been taken from me. But I cannot experience that because it hasn't happened. I said your well goes so deep and it's so dark it seems to have no bottom to it. And yet... Because you have dug a well of salvation and because you have plumbed and you have found Christ to be a well that is eternal, you get to the bottom of your pain and guess what? He is there 
in the darkness at the bottom of your grief and pain. He is there. By now we were all weeping. Because that's what friends do. You don't just laugh together and celebrate together. You weep together. She later wrote these words, which she's given me permission to share publicly. My heart again was bared open with every emotion, as yet again I question why. But strangely still, I long and am desperate for God. I realized, although I so desire God, I have put walls up, not letting God in to love me, not wanting to get hurt again. In some strange way, not wanting to face the truth that this is my life. So again, another step, as painful as it is. She too is one who has learned to sit in silence. Silence your body to listen to your words. Silence your tongue to listen to your thoughts. Silence your thought to listen to your heart beating. And silence your heart to listen to your spirit. And silence your spirit to listen to his spirit. Because in silence you leave the many so you can be with the one. God bless you this morning. Awesome. Just as the team comes up, will you stand with me? We're going to go into a time and a moment of worship. And uh, we're going to, you know, in this moment, in these next few moments as we sing, there's opportunity for us to respond to the word this morning. And there was a lot in that word for us to respond to. But, you know, I, loved, I love what Gordon said about how the psalmists give us permission to be vulnerable with God. They kind of share from our hearts with God, God, this is what I'm going through. And, you know, there can be a propensity for us to want to put on the brave face, but, but God knows what's going on in our heart. And if we can open our hearts before God, be vulnerable with Him, it's a great opportunity for God to be able to speak into our situation, into our hearts, bring blessing into our lives. And I just wonder this morning, you know, you're, you're able to pour your heart out to God, even in a time of worship. You're able to say to God, God, this is what I'm facing. This is what I'm, I'm going through. Listen, God knows what it is that you're facing, but God wants to hear from you. Maybe this morning you want to pour your heart out to him and just say, God, this is what it is that I'm going through. I'm pretty frustrated right now and what I'm facing you know what I love is the point that he said? When you pour that out to God, it's because you've got a heart for God. A lot of people getting angry at God don't have a heart for God. But we're all gathered here this morning, and you're here this morning because you do have a heart for God. And so in these next few moments as we sing, if you want to just pour your heart out to Him, maybe this morning you want to respond, come out the front and just say, God, you know what? I just want to commit my heart afresh to you, my life, my situation, what I'm facing. I don't want to do it on my own. I just want to commit it to you. I just want to come out and this is a declaration of faith, just saying, God, no matter what I'm going through, pour my heart out to you, but I know that you're with me and I have a heart for you. I don't know how you want to respond this morning.
you on worship? Respond how you want to respond. Pray if you want to pray. Worship God with everything you got. But let's sing and worship God together.